your services are no longer needed. You just don't fit in around here. I don't want you. I don't need you. You have to change or I'm out of here. I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving. I wish I'd never met you. Get out of my life. Today I want to talk about overcoming your fear of rejection. You know God's word, Paul writes, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of, what? Fear. But of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. God has not given us a power, or that spirit of fear. But he's given us power, and yet... I find that many times we live our lives paralyzed by fear. Paralyzed by the fear of being rejected. And as Christians, I want to tell you, this fear is not from God. And we're going to let God's word empower us to try and overcome that fear of rejection. And I'm going to be honest with you that as I was putting this message together... I was looking back through my life, and especially early in my life, I believe I was consumed with trying to please everyone. You know, my dad was a corpsman, and uh, he was in the Navy and the Marines, and because of his specialty, he kind of jump-started hospitals, and um, because of that, we moved 21 times by the time I hit high school which meant that I changed schools a lot, sometimes two times, three times in a, in a school year. So I became very uh, good at being the new kid at school. And I quickly developed a philosophy for fitting in. You know, my first day of school, usually a teacher would introduce me. And they would go, this is Damon Talkington. He's new to our class. He's coming from, and they'd say wherever it was that I was coming from. Now, you have to know, with a name like Talkington, seriously, kids, kids immediately were amused. And it made starts hard, tough. And so what I needed was a very successful strategy. I mean, it was a must. And I developed one. You know, I was pretty good at basketball and baseball. And so what I would do, the first day of class, as soon as we hit the playground at recess, I went into action. You know, I'd quickly assess things, and I would try and figure out whether basketball was more popular or baseball. But I wanted to know what the most popular sport at that school was. And after I determined that, then I would go around and ask this question. I'd say, who is the best at hoops? You know, who's got the best arm here? And then I would go find that individual. And I'd challenge them to 21, or I would say, bring your glove tomorrow. We'll, We'll play chicken with the baseball. And this worked pretty well for me. Because what would happen, word would get around, and the kids would gather round. And then when I beat him, I got the high fives, a few cheers. I found it was a very efficient 
in a very quick way to fit in, to, to make friends. And it worked for me until eighth grade. And I remember my first day in eighth grade, I was at Christian Elementary School. It was a private school. It was the first time I'd went to a private school. And I got introduced to the class. And after lunch, we had free time. And I went out, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to assess what the most popular sport is. Well, it was simple. Because when I walked out, every guy in the school was playing dodgeball. That was not on my radar. Dodgeball. I watched for a little while, observe. It was very easy. I did not have to go ask someone who was the best because there was this one guy. I thought he was like a teacher from the military or something. He was huge. And every time he'd get the ball, everybody retreated from him. Everybody. And so finally, I went over and asked one of the girls, I'm like, who's the really big guy? And they're like, well, that's Brian. He always wins. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, dodgeball. I don't even know if I'd ever really played dodgeball. But I'm watching, I'm assessing, and I'm trying to figure out. And I, and I realized that the entire time, nobody would challenge him. When he got the ball, everybody, even his own team, would move back. And I thought, I need a, I need a real serious strategy here. And I thought, you know, I have got to get to the ball first. And I've got to go for Brian immediately before he figures it out. And so the next game, I jumped in. They yelled, go. And I ran with everything I was worth. And Brian and I get to the ball at the same time. And I think he was shocked because if he was near, everybody else just kind of moved back. And I picked the ball up, and I thought, I have to seize this moment. And I threw with every bit of strength in me. And he jumped, and it caught his feet, and down he went. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, I've won. I'm in now. Actually, I was in. I was in trouble. Because <laughs> when Brian got up, he came at me like a freight train. And he nailed me, and let's just say it was ugly. Principal was out on the playground. He comes racing across. And for the next week, I spent it in detention with Brian. We didn't talk. We stared a lot, but we didn't talk. And my transition into school was tough. Brian claimed that I had cheated, and it just made it really rough going in. I had to work to get connected to the other kids. And, well, Brian and I, let's just say we weren't friends. Years later, we would run across each other and make amends. But uh, 
I'm thinking all, all because of a game. All because I wanted to fit in. And for some stupid reason, I thought if I could perform, people would like me. And what happened was I kind of got addicted to that, fitting in, needing people's approval. And as I thought about my life, I spent a good deal of my early life trying to overcome that. I remember when I was a young pastor, I uh, needed that approval. I wanted people to, to like me. And so I would get done with a message and I'd say, how did I do? Did you like it? You know, did, did I do a good job? And on some level, there was an undercurrent in my life that I wanted people's approval. I wanted people to like me. I feared being rejected. And today I want to tell you that's a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place. Proverbs writes, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people, fearing what people think, fearing being rejected, it's a trap, but those that trust God are kept safe. And that's what I want to look at. I want to look at that rejection trap because we all battle it to some degree. I mean, how does that rejection trap play out in our lives? Well, I think a lot of different ways. One, sometimes the fear of rejection causes people to be starved for acceptance. The fact is that uh, when you think about it, it's kind of sad because the thing that we desire most, being accepted, when, when you actually run after it, it's the one thing you lose along the way. You know, there's a guy in the Old Testament named Saul. Saul, I believe, if you read his life story in, in Scripture, he had the potential to be one of the greatest kings of Israel, maybe one of the greatest kings of all time. But I would argue that Saul had a great weakness in his life, and that was he feared rejection. He's always wondering as he's leading the people, what are the people thinking? Are the people going to like me if I make this decision? And at one point in his career, here he is, the king of Israel. He is so afraid of what the people are going to think. Get this, he rejects God's commands. One point. Saul is confronted by Samuel. And Samuel just calls him on the carpet for it. He says, you know, you've rejected God. What, what is up with this? What is wrong with you? And listen to this. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the commands of the Lord and your words because I, what? Feared, feared the people and listened to their voices. Because Saul was afraid, because Saul was afraid of the people, what, what they might think, he, he fell into this trap. And I watch people do this all the time. We, we, we cave in to popular opinion because we want to fit in. 
It's a sad commentary, I think, on our, our society in the U.S., but we are approval junkies because we want to fit in, because we long for approval. We do all kinds of crazy things. You know, I've watched people that have, have instead of having sexual purity in their life, saving themselves for marriage, they, they jump from bed to bed to bed to bed, and it's kind of a fix. And the whole time they're like, please love me, please accept me. And what's interesting and sad about it is we're pretending sex and love and acceptance and all that are tied together and the very thing that we long for, it just evaporates. You know, I've watched people spend enormous amounts of time and money chasing that approval in their life. Got to have the right clothes. Got to have the right cut, the right look the right surgery. I want a nose like so-and-so. I want to look like that. And what I find curious about this, the entire time we're trying to look like someone else so we can fit in, we're claiming to be unique. It seems a little twisted. I mean, image. Image is everything. But image, it's about trying to gain approval in life. I think that uh, longing amps up over time. I need that car. Then people will like me. I need that house. I've got to join that club. Now people will take notice, and pretty soon you're you're buying things, you're obtaining things you can't afford, and you're you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. For a long time, I thought trying to keep up with the Joneses was really about uh, pride, envy, and it is to some degree. But what is really going on when you unpack it is inside there's a mentality that is looking for approval, that's seeking that. Now I'll fit in. If I've got this, then they'll accept me. Then they'll think I'm something. Then I'll I'll be like people want to be around me if I've got this stuff. I've watched parents teach their kids that acceptance is paramount. Allow their kids to, to do stuff, to be involved in things instead of standing their ground. And I always know that's what's going on because I'll press on an issue or something that's going on and they'll go, well, pastor, everybody else is doing it. And I want my kids to fit in. And so parents change their focus from what's important to the child to what's everybody else doing. In fact, I've even watched people willing to take God and just sideline him. In the name of what's popular. I've watched people compromise their integrity. Whether it be vocationally or in some business deal. They, they do the, the thing that they, they know isn't right. They don't do what's most important. Instead they do what gains approval. What moves them ahead. What gets you that acceptance. I've even watched people live lives that they dislike, maybe even hate, trying to gain parents' approval. 
This one's a tough one. Watch people pursue careers. Not because it was something they wanted. Not because they had an interest in it. Not because they had a talent even. They pursued the career because it's what mom and dad want. And this is what's striking to me. When I, when I watch folks on that track, they're pursuing that career that they hate. In fact, inside they despise their parents internally. And they make their decisions on maybe, maybe mom and dad will be pleased this time. Watch people that their mom and dad have been gone for years. And they're still on that track trying to get the acceptance. And it's not just careers. I've seen that one play out all kinds of ways. You know, the fact is I've watched people that would go, well, I married him. I married her because that's what my parents wanted. We didn't move there because mom and dad wouldn't have liked it. I've watched Christians that that love God. In fact, they're on fire for God. But because they wanted to fit in, they wanted a relationship in their life, because they longed for that, they got on a very different track, said, you know what, I'll just go out with anybody. Non-Christian, that's okay. Self-centered, fine. Abusive, it's not that bad. You don't like me the way I am? I'll change. I'll be somebody that I'm not. All in the name of acceptance. And that decision many times affects people for years and years, sometimes a lifetime. It's ugly. I I cannot imagine the pain because it's tough to watch. I know people that want acceptance so bad that when they get close to someone, they just suck the life out of them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Almost like a human vacuum cleaner. You know, someone pays attention and they want that so bad that it's like, will you like me? I'll do, I'll do whatever. You know, just, just accept me. And it's a trap. I mean, when you fear rejection, it is easy to become a junkie with this one. Because you do whatever's necessary to be accepted. Generally, don't confront anyone. In fact, if the truth be known, you usually give in to everyone. You resent it inside, angry. And it gets worse and worse and worse with time. But you give in. Why? Because you want to be liked. You want to be loved. You want to be accepted. Friends, it's a trap. It's a trap. Because you end up doing whatever's necessary to be accepted. There's another trap with this. It's just the opposite. Some, because they fear rejection... 
instead of doing whatever to be accepted, they become overly cautious. It goes something like this. I've been hurt before. I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm not going to trust anyone. I'm going to keep my distance. Why they do that? Afraid of being rejected. You know, Proverbs says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. But whoever hardens his heart or her heart will fall into calamity. See, you run across people in life where they, they've hardened their heart, they don't let others in, they, they build walls uh, around them. You know, I hear it in things like uh, uh, women that have got burned in relationships. They'll say things like, can't trust men as far as you can throw them. It's a philosophy of life. You know, guys will say things like, mm, she's kind of like, women are black widows, man. You get close, you get stung. And what is tragic about this is I've watched great men and women that really, under it all, want a relationship, but they are not going out there because they're scared to death. They're not going to get hurt. You know, for some, it starts really young. It starts when they, they become overly cautious because as, as a young person, they had just a sneaking suspicion that their parents loved their sister or brother more. And so what they do, they withdraw because they're afraid of getting hurt. Might have started at school. You know, last one picked on the team. And after a couple times of that, you just pull back and you quit trying and you play it safe. Maybe you didn't fit in the crowd. You walk to a different drum, so you just retreat. Maybe someone told you that they would be there always for you. And they crushed you. And so what you've done is you've built this fortress of protection, which incidentally is really a fortress of isolation. And you become overly cautious. And this one has eternal implications. Because I know Christians that love God They are followers of Jesus Christ. And they've got friends, and they've got family, maybe someone they work with, that they would tell you they care about and they love. But they never share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. They they don't invite them to church. They don't share their faith. Why? Here we go. Because they're afraid of being rejected. So we ignore the eternal implications, which are huge. Why? Because of fear. Because of fear of rejection. You know, there's a story told in the book of John. People were believing in Jesus Christ, and they, they were getting to a point where they were afraid to make that confession publicly. Why? Again, fear of rejection. Scripture says, nevertheless, many, even of, of the rulers, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Fear of acceptance. 
It's a trap. It's a trap. Some people move in the direction of, I'll do whatever to earn your acceptance. Other people put up walls and say, you know what? Nobody's getting close. Now, how how do you overcome that? How do you overcome this trap? Because I think the Bible teaches some things that that help us, that empower us, that give us that, that spirit that God expects in us. And I think one of the things that the Bible teaches is that we need to learn to say yes to pleasing God. It's changing our heart desire. It's desiring to first please God. You know, the story told in 1 Kings 22, Jehoshaphat is king of Judah. He's talking with the king of Israel. At this time, the the nation was split into kind of like uh, north and south, so to speak. And the king of of Israel uh, approached Jehoshaphat and said, you know what? We want you to be our ally. We want you to partner up with us, and we're going to go to war, and we're going to get the stuff that belongs to us. We're going to get it back. And I love the response of Jehoshaphat, because Jehoshaphat says to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. Notice what he didn't say? Here's the king. He didn't say, tell you what, going to talk to my advisors, I'll get back with you. He didn't say, hey, we're going to take a poll and we're going to find out what popular opinion is so that I'll, I'll, I'll know what we should do at that point. No, he, he says, I'm going to seek God's counsel. In other words, I want to please God. Whatever it is that God wants me to do, that's what I'm doing. So, so what do you do in your life when you face a decision, when you're at that crossroads? Well, I can tell you what not to do. Don't go, what will people think? What will my parents think? What will my friends think? What will my coworkers think? No, first you start with, what would God think? What would God think? First you seek to please God. It's a, it's a change of mind here. One of the possibly greatest evangelists of modern history is G. Campbell Morgan. He tells in, in his autobiography... Um, He tells about standing as a young man. He wanted to enter the ministry. This is like in 1888. And he's with a lot of other men that hope to be pastors. And three men were going to decide whether they were fit for ministry or not fit for ministry. And at the end of the day, they posted out on a a poll, they posted two, two lists. One was accepted. The other was rejected. Campbell said when he saw him nail the lists up, the men all got in a line and they're looking and he said he got in the line for accepted and he's looking and he's looking and he's looking and he realizes his name's not there. And then he goes and looks at the rejected list and there was his name. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you poured your heart and your life in a, in a direction. And then someone rejected you. You don't have what it takes. I wish I'd never met you. 
And it hits you like a ton of bricks, doesn't it? It hurts. Campbell said he was crushed. And he sent his dad a, a telegram. Had one word on it. Rejected. He said several days went by and then his dad replied back to him. And he said the reply changed his entire life. And it simply said, rejected by men, accepted by God. Friends, that's where I want to fall in my life. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will be rejected in this world. You know, Isaiah 53 is a prophecy, and it's prophecy about Jesus. It said that Jesus would be despised, and he would be rejected by people. As Christians, why would we think that our life wouldn't be the same? I mean, why would we think that we could follow Christ and please everyone at the same time? Friends, you can't do it. You just can't. You know, Matthew 6.33, Jesus is speaking, giving us perspective. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. I mean, first, you have to learn to say yes to pleasing God in your life. The other half of this should be obvious. You also have to learn to say no to pleasing people. Now, do not take this out of context, all right? Do not go out of here and go, well, Damon said be rude to people. (laughs) That's not what I said. We are always to show love. We are always to show grace. But hear this. We are not driven as Christians to be people pleasers. You know, Isaiah 51, 12 through 13, God is is basically saying, who are you trying to please here? He says, I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of these mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? Yet you've forgotten the Lord, your creator, the one who stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. This is how it happens. We are are so worried about the approval of people, so afraid of what people are going to think that we forget about God. You know, I told you how I started eighth grade. Rough. Rough, 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 rough. Anybody that's very close to me would know eighth grade is a pivotal time in my life. And I talk about it a lot because God changed me in a significant way. I mean, that was the year that when I look, I grew really close to God. That was the year that I knew God was calling me into ministry. That was the year that I started trying to deal with the issue of approval in my life. I realized that what really mattered was pleasing God. And friends, I spent way more than a decade seriously having to work on this. 
but it was a game changer. And it has served me well through the years. Now, I wish I could tell you that I've always succeeded in that. That's not true. There have been times I have tripped and stumbled, and it's not been pretty. But most of the time, most of the time, it's been striving to please God. Not always easy. Sometimes it costs. Definitely been painful. But I'm here today to tell you I would have it no other way. And every single day, you and I have the opportunity to either cave in and live for the approval of people or to surrender our hearts to God and to focus on pleasing Him. It's a choice we make. And at some point, you've got to say, you know what? I live for you, God. I live for you alone, period. My question is, what will it be in your life? Fear of people? Fear of not being accepted? Fear of what people might say or think? Warning, it's a trap. Or are you going to trust God and live for Him? You know, the promise in His Word is that He will keep you safe. You know, the Apostle Paul, uh, he kind of presses this question. He's talking about himself, but he goes, Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? See, he understands. You've got to decide. Or am I trying to please people? I love this. He goes, if I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. When you focus on pleasing God, it changes everything. You, you start living, I believe, the way God intended. Front and center. You, you live your life to an audience of one. No longer trying to please everyone. How many of you have figured out that doesn't work? You can't, you can't please everyone. It'll mess you up. But you can please God. Please everyone? Doesn't play well. I figured out people are fickled. Love you today, hate you tomorrow. What have you done for me lately? Popular opinion, always changing, always shifting. What do I do now? What do I do now? Or an audience of one. A God that keeps us focused on what really matters. That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Jesus was saying very clearly, I seek to live to an audience of one. And he did. Live the perfect life that way. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trust in the Lord means safety. Do you hear the promise in that? Trust God. He'll keep you safe. 
How many of you remember when you were a kid in school and you would get called on by the teacher to do an errand during class? You know, like take something to the office or pick up a supply. How many of you remember that? The glory of that, right? You were able, when I got that opportunity, in my mind I'm thinking, I get to leave these loser classmates that have to sit in class and I get to go on an errand. Now, I'm sorry if you never got that opportunity because it was glorious. Man, when I'd get picked, I would get that pass and I would bust out of class with such confidence. I would go the long way so I could go by all my buddies' classrooms. And I would stop. And I would make faces. I would dance. I wanted their attention because really what I wanted to do was, I got to pass and you don't, you know. I wanted them to know. And I would walk down the halls And I don't think I was praying, but kind of was like I wanted a teacher to come out of the classroom. And they did often. And they would go, Mr. Talkington, what are you doing in the hall? Now, the fact they all knew my name should tell you something, and it's not good. (laughs) Mr. Talkington, what are you doing in the hall? Well, it's funny you should ask that. That's how I was too, by the way. And I would hem haul around a little bit, and then finally, ah, I got a pass. I was safe. I was okay. Friends, when you live to an audience of one, you have got God's hall pass. God tells me who I am. God tells me what I'm to do. God is the center. Because I have that past, it doesn't matter. I'm not subject to other people's judgments. I am able to do what I need to do, what God calls me to do. People's opinions doesn't matter. It's not about what people think. God says, you're acceptable in Jesus Christ. It's not what people say. doesn't matter. Because God says, I love you. It doesn't matter what other people believe. God says, I will be with you and see you through that. And friends, when I believe that, when I know that, when I start living that, it frees me up to be who God calls me to be, and it should in your life too. See, when I'm weak, God's strong. It doesn't matter what you think, because I'm okay with God. God's word says we are overcomers as Christians. God says, I will see you through whatever it is. God says, I have a plan for your life. And God has a plan for your life. And when you live to an audience of one, and you got God's hall pass, when people doubt you, when people are pressing on you, when you're afraid of what people think, You remember God's past. When you fear you won't be accepted, remember God's past. See, decision time. I mean, what's it going to be in your life? Fearing people is a dangerous trap. 
but trust in the Lord means safety. We're going to share in some music. Just stay seated where you're at. I, I would invite you to, um, I don't know where, what areas you battle in your life with this whole issue, but to just say, okay, God, today's the day. I'm going to live audience of one. You, you're the reason I make decisions. I'm going to base everything I do on pleasing you. And just see where God takes you this morning. Well, let's allow God to minister to us.